Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, called The Attitude of Christ. I told you that many New Testament writers, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, James, a bondservant, Jude, a bondservant, etc., Peter, a bondservant of Christ. Do you know why they wrote that? At least in part because they got it from Christ, who said, I didn't come into, into the world to be served, but to serve. I am the ultimate bondservant. If you're going to follow me, this is what you ought to be as well. And I told you the imagery of the the all and the opening up of the ear is the bondservant says, whatever my master says, that's what I do. And I will be attached to this house forever. The beauty of the picture is that Jesus Christ became a bondservant. And of course, it's pictured in his washing of the disciples' feet. I pointed out to you Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8, where it basically says, you've pierced my ear, and it's a messianic prophecy. And so this is what Jesus did. He emptied himself, took on the form of a bondservant, and was made in the likeness of men. He was truly a man, but more than that, he was a servant, and he laid down his life for us. He's the last Adam, the beginner of a new humanity. He is everything that we were intended to be, and of course, more. Christ did this by taking on the form of a bondservant. In doing this, he did not empty himself of any part of his essence of God as God, but gave up the privileges as God and took on the existence of a man. And I'll tell you, it was a big drop down for him. (laughs) King James V of Scotland would on occasion lay aside the royal robe of a king and put on the simple robe of a peasant. In such a disguise, he was able to move freely about the land, making friends with ordinary folk, entering into their difficulties, appreciating their handicaps and sympathizing with them in their sorrow. And when as king, he sat upon the throne He was better able to rule over them with fatherly compassion and mercy. God shares in human experience and thereby is better able to sympathize and empathize with us, which is basically the essence of Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. We have a great high priest who empathizes. So next time you pray, you understand that Jesus Christ knows exactly what it is to be human because right now he's human. Right now, he is fully man and fully God. So when you go to him, you can understand the depth of his compassion for you. You you can understand how he entered into our pain. And there was nothing in Jesus in his human form that made him known to other people. In fact, if you looked into a crowd from everything we know of the New Testament, there's no way you would know which guy was Jesus. He didn't have a halo over his head as much as some of the ancient art would depict it that way. You wouldn't know. In fact, Judas, when he came with all those people into the garden, he said, the one I kiss, he's the one. Because you wouldn't have known that it was Jesus. Now you would know if you saw him do a miracle, you would know if he, if he preached a sermon, etc. But you wouldn't know by his physical appearance. In fact, the Bible says in uh, Isaiah 53, 2, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. And he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. Isaiah 53, 2. What set Jesus apart 
was obviously that he was God in human flesh, but he became one of us and was made in the full likeness of man. Christ was truly man, but not merely man. And then, of course, he came to serve us. Eminent Greek scholar Daniel Wallace explains, the Philippians are told not to puff themselves up with empty glory because Christ was an example of one who emptied his glory. If the connection is intentional, then the Carmen Christi, this ancient hymn, has the following force. Do not elevate yourselves on empty glory, but follow the example of Jesus, who, though already elevated on God's level, emptied his glory by veiling it in humanity. If it's about your glory, brothers and sisters, you will be empty. Take a look at our world today. Everybody pursuing vain glory is an empty individual. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And whenever you're grasping for your own glory, you're going to be an empty person. But whenever you lay aside your pride for the sake of God and others, what happens? You become a full person. Amen? You live a full life, which, which is exactly what Jesus uh, came to show us and provide for us. And so the preexistent divine son of God of his own volition laid aside the prerogatives of deity for a season. And if that is the case, then how did he do what he did? Well, some people would argue that he did use some of those things when he calmed the sea. And, and there, there's another group of scholars that say that Jesus completely relied on the Holy Spirit and that he's the ultimate spirit-filled human that has ever walked the planet. Now, I lean towards, I think he did use some of his, the progress of deity at times, but it's, it's an open debate. But certainly, Christ experienced the power of the Spirit. Now, this is what I want to show you to encourage your walk with the Lord. We're going to turn to a few New Testament passages quickly. The first one we're going to is Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. So Jesus, when he was baptized, remember the heavens opened. John the Baptist saw the Spirit of God light upon him and remain. That's how he knew that Jesus was Messiah. And then Jesus, the Gospel of Mark tells us, right after that, uh, the Holy Spirit descending upon him, he was impelled by the Spirit, Mark 1, I think it's verse 12, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days, right? And so uh, Matthew 12, 28 talks about this reality of what Jesus shared in his power. Matthew 12, 28 says, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Flip over to Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter four. So the power of the Holy Spirit was evident in the life of Jesus. Take a look. This is now uh, capturing the, tempt the temptation by the devil. And this is spirit-filled Jesus. Take a look, Luke 4, 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led about by the Spirit in the wilderness. Skip down to verse 14 of Luke 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. Flip over to Luke chapter 10. I want you to see that I think one of the lessons implied here for believers is that if Jesus relied on the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more you and me from the greater to the lesser. I can't leave my house if I want to be victorious on a Monday or a Tuesday without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, without putting on the armor of God, without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Take a look at Luke 10. Jesus uh, sends out the 70 
And uh, he says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Pick it up at verse 19 of Luke 10. Behold, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall injure you. Nevertheless, Luke 10, 20, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. And at that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and intelligent and did reveal them to babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in thy sight. And then one more. It's in the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts uh, 10. This is a summary of the life and ministry of Jesus. Peter preaching to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile house. He says these words about the person and ministry of Jesus. Luke, I'm sorry, Acts 10, 38. He says, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, Acts 10, 38, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Note it. You know of Jesus, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. If you want to have the power of God in your life, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? From the greater to the lesser. So this is what Jesus had in terms of his power. And this is how he went about doing good. Back to Philippians chapter 2. And we'll finish it. They were taking bets in the back whether I'd get to verse 11. Uh, I made it at first service, so we're going to make it at second as well. Here's what I want to say to you. If you want the power of God in your life, you need to learn how to walk the spirit-filled life. Because this is what Jesus did, and he is our ultimate example. So how do we do that? Spending time in his presence, spending time before the word of God, spending time in worship. It is a very much a trajectory of your mind. Spiritual warfare takes place in the realm of the mind and, of course, in the heart. So the moment that I decide my trajectory today will be, Lord, I want to have this attitude in me that was also in Christ. Would you fill me with his mind? Would you help me to put on the helmet of salvation? Help me to put on the mind of Christ. Fill me with the power of God. Help me go around doing good. You know, the preeminent sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what it will be? It will be love. If you want to know if you're walking in the Spirit, it will be love. Just quickly. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is dealing with spiritual gifts, laying out uh, how they are used, etc. But he says in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, you could have all these gifts. You could speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if you don't have love, you are nothing. It means nothing. It profits nothing. But if you're filled with the Spirit and love is coming out of your life, it means, brethren, everything. Amen? It's what will set you apart. That's how people will know that you belong to Christ. And so to be filled with the Spirit is the implied reality here for that power. And being found, Philippians 2.8, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, a continuing theme of his humiliation. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And of course, he says to his followers, I want you to take up your cross and follow me. So if you want to be filled with the Spirit, here's another implied truth in the text. you got to die to the flesh. 
Amen. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, producer of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth partners for your financial support. We are over halfway through this year, and you have raised over $30,000 to support our mission of being on the radio and podcast equipping people with God's truth. Now, we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is still strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcast and stream on their phone, but radio in a car or at home is still free for listeners. Most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program, and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We are looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we would like to become fully funded by listeners. This will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. But he says in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, you could have all these gifts. You could speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if you don't have love, you are nothing. It means nothing. It profits nothing. But if you're filled with the Spirit and love is coming out of your life, it means, brethren, everything. Amen? It's what will set you apart. That's how people will know that you belong to Christ. And so to be filled with the Spirit is the implied reality here for that power. And being found, Philippians 2.8, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, a continuing theme of his humiliation. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And of course, he says to his followers, I want you to take up your cross and follow me. So if you want to be filled with the Spirit, here's another implied truth in the text. You got to die to the flesh. Amen? You got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Now, for some of the apostles, a literal cross was ahead, like Peter. But for most of us living in Southern California, it's going to be a metaphor. And you know what the metaphor is? It's crucifying the flesh so that the Spirit can reign in your life. This is all easy stuff this morning. You guys all know that, right? All light, fluffy. Now, we move from the mindset to his preexistence and deity to his humiliation to his exaltation, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, as a result of Christ's uh, life, obedience, etc., God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above 
every name. This is Christ's exaltation. To the loftiest height. Exodus 15.1 says, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. I could go on quoting verses, but I think you all know. The Lord's name is high and lifted up, and yet the name of the Son is exalted above every name. Take a look at verse 10. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven. You can think of angels and uh, saints that are there on earth. That's humanity. And under the earth could speak of the dead, that is the unsaved dead. It could also speak of demonic spirits, universal in scope and prophetic. What do I mean by that? This is yet to be fully realized. This is a prophecy that at the name of Jesus, which by the way, his name means Yahweh saves, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Take it to the bank. One day, everyone's going to bow. And the implication of the language of confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, in verse 11, every tongue should confess, is a word that means they will acknowledge, they will agree, but they may not do it happily. Some people are going to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. But they're not going to be saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. It's going to be a tough spot. Hitler's going to bow. Every president that's ever lived is going to bow. Every leader, every person that looks so powerful. You can go back to the first century and we can talk about Herod. We can talk about... Hitler, we can talk about Egyptian pharaohs, we can talk about presidents and dictators and the like. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, to the glory of God the Father. When you proclaim Jesus as Lord, the Father is glorified. Amen? You want to bring glory to the Father, you proclaim the Son. They are interconnected as we are seeing in the text. And so one day... We're all going to be confessing Jesus Christ is Lord and we're going to be celebrating, but other people are going to be in a not so nice place saying Jesus Christ is Lord. But I think for many, it's going to be too late. And so it's going to be, do it now. Now the the verses that we just read uh, in 10 and 11 are a quote from Isaiah 45. This is my last text, I promise. Isaiah 45, turn there, would you? So in Isaiah chapters 40 through 48, God is challenging the false gods of the nations, the idols, what men and women create and worship. And he's basically saying, if you're a God, if you're the true God, then predict the future or do something that might dazzle us. That's kind of the idea. And the verses that we just read are a quotation from Isaiah 45. I want to show you just a few things to set this up so you can see the context. Isaiah 45 This uh, passage we just read in Philippians 2 is an echo of this or a quote of this. And here's just a foretaste of what's going on. 45.5 of Isaiah. I am the Lord and there is no other. Beside me there is no God. I will gird you, Isaiah 45.5, though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. 
the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Look at verse 12. It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands and I ordained all their hosts. Skip down to verse 18. Thus says the Lord, Lord in all caps there is Yahweh, who created the heavens. He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no one else. And then down to verse 20. Gather yourselves and come, draw near together, you fugitives of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idol and pray to a God who cannot save. Declare and set forth 21 your case. Indeed, let them consult together. Who has announced this from old? Who has long since declared it? Is it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and Savior. There is none except me. Can God be any more clear? (laughs) Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Now, all of this is about Yahweh. Now, take a look. I have sworn by myself... The word has gone forth from my mouth. In righteousness, it will not turn back. That to me, that is Yahweh, every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, only in the Lord Yahweh, our righteousness and strength, men will come to him, and all who are angry at him will be put to shame. Guess what? On that day, every knee will bow, And every tongue will articulate these words. Jesus Christ is Yahweh. That's what the text is saying. Jesus Christ is God. Now we're in the prayer room praying before this service. And one of the prayer warriors said, Lord, people so often take your name and abuse it. Take it down to the level of a four-letter curse word to express disgust. But your name is holy. And Jesus Christ has the name which will be exalted above every single name that there ever will be. And look at our culture and look how the name of Jesus is used. Now, do we need revival in our land? Yes. Do we need a new appreciation and insight into revelation about who God is? Yes. But this also, it's not only application, but it's thrilling because one day everyone will be confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. You've been listening to The Attitude of Christ, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on the Apple Podcast iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teaching in more books of the Bible. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with pillars. With our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael Lance serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids like this year's Vacation Bible School coming up in a couple weeks. If you live outside Southern California, you can still benefit from our Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings in Philippians, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. 
download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the bottom line of the attitude of Christ is this. We are to have this attitude in us, which was also in him. And I suppose that that's the biggest challenge that we have is to have a good attitude, but more than that, a Christ attitude. And the only way that we can do that, brethren, is by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, what does it mean practically? Well, each and every day we have to ask Jesus to fill us with the Holy Spirit. We have to put on the armor of God, if you will, clothe ourselves with the new man. Now, practically what that means is starting your day, you know, making yourself happy in the Lord, which means you access the things of God. You try to get into your Bible first thing, uh, shoot up a prayer or two or three first thing in the morning, a prayer of gratitude. And you'll have an attitude that is the attitude of Christ. It's really not complicated. It's just all about our priorities. Well, we're going to be talking next time about working out what God is working in us. And this is more on the practical side. How do we work out what God is doing in our lives? How does this attitude manifest itself? Working out what God is working in. That's next time right here on Walk in Truth. See you right here tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless you. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events, too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $20 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.